Hello, and welcome to Exploring Axon, a podcast where we discuss Axon Framework, Axon Server, and their ecosystem. I am your host and a software developer at Axonic, Sarah Tori. This is the second part of my talk with Alberto Brandolini. I hope you enjoy it, and let's have a listen. So um, another thing that um, always is interesting to me, because I, I, I see human interaction as a very interesting phenomenon, <laughs> because we're all different and we all act differently based on our previous experiences, current environment, what have you. Have you been in a situation where you're in a workshop, whether it's a in-person workshop or now virtual where there is so much conflict and so many opposing uh, parts in the conversation where you just can't reach a solution? Oh, well, not, not really, but there is a That's trick. good. <laughs> yeah. There is a trick. So um, when I'm doing big picture exploration, I, I'm actually snooping for, for, uh, for conflicts. I, I'm not trying to put on the wall a big rosy picture of this is what you are. I, I don't care. I'm a consultant. I'm not solving rosy scenario. I need troubles. And so what are your problems? And uh, let's make them visible. But in order to do this, I postpone every need for reaching an, an agreement. So if there is a, a conversation about the friction, I might let it go for a while. I might use a hotspot to capture and make it visible. But I'm not, I cannot solve the issue. I just don't have enough information. Sometimes I can play the uh, domain-driven design wildcard of using bounded context, like uh, two people arguing. Yeah. Guys, you're both right. You're just in two mm -hmm. different rooms. Two different contexts. Yeah. You're right. This is a place yeah. where you're right. But then I, I would need to explain bounded context to an audience of 25 people that don't care about it. And, uh, and so I, I might take a note for me and, or maybe have a little private conversation. But the, the cool thing is, in discovery, I don't try to solve problems only to visualize them. But of course, my brain is thinking about, okay, this, this, and this. We're going to talk with these two guys later because we might have a vision. And uh, um, if, you, if you don't mix yeah, the exploration with the, with the solution space, uh, then you never get there. Then, of course, some people can actually hate each other and uh, you're just a visitor in this company and the reasons are uh, too deep for you and you're just discovering it. Yeah, yeah, which is also um, a, a good way of um, solving things because once uh, you kind of get to know the problem in a, in a different light, I guess, the, which, which is helpful to many people to yep. be able to come out of their stuck place and look for solutions whereas uh, sometimes when you're dealing with too many conflicts and people kind of get stuck and you can't get them out which is um which is not a good thing now you mentioned bounded context which i actually do have a question in regards to that so when you are doing these workshops uh, for businesses obviously not everybody knows about domain-driven design and all of the um wonderful vocabulary that goes along with it like bounded context you know ubiquitous language and so forth so how much of your time do you have to explain these terms uh, to these individuals? Do you uh, kind of go through a list maybe prior to starting the workshop or do you explain no. as they come up? No, I, I, I just try not to explain as much as okay. possible. So explanation right. before the action is boring and uh, right. worthless. 
Uh, right. I, I might I might uh, make available some uh, reference for reading maybe after, uh, but before the fact, uh, explaining a concept which is fuzzy. I mean, bounded context is one of the uh, has a weird definition. It's not really actionable, and you have to see it from different perspective. And, uh, and it doesn't matter if you don't care about it. I mean, only software people care about it because uh, people have a conversation. They have ambiguity in their language. They don't care. They just talk. Ambiguity becomes jokes. It's important for software people because this ambiguity becomes bugs, and bugs are our responsibility. And so it's just like a, a ticket for future scapegoating. And, and we care about it, but the rest of the company doesn't. But... Uh, I only explain things which are actually relevant in this in this context. If I see something like, look, you having this problem, this has a solution, and the solution has this shape, I just explain the minimum because I'm still in the DJ mode. Like, uh, oh, this song is great. I'm going to stop the song and tell you about the life of the singer here that had a very interesting life. No, we just yeah. wanted to dance. So <laughs> right. I will take a note. I will let people dance. And then... Uh, yeah. If you are curious about how they solve this, this is the concept behind. Mm-hmm. These are the books and these are the references yeah. and, the, and then have a longer conversation. I don't stop the music. Which is amazing um, because as you mentioned, um, I think in um, one of your talks, you uh, mentioned the fact that you, uh, as a child, started playing the piano a little bit and you ha- you could play some songs and that was cool and interesting. And your dad was also playing. So um, as as kids, we always want to do things that our parents do because we want to be cool like them. Um, but then you were sent to a music school, which everything was explained to you theoretically. Yep. And it actually was so wonderful to hear that because um, I was a music teacher for about 20 years and I actually taught piano for that whole time. <laughs> so I could totally feel your pain from my personal experience as a piano student, as a child, but also as a teacher when I first started teaching. And it was so great to hear that because I, I thought of my early days of teaching where um, I would get these little kids and Lucky for them, my music theory knowledge wasn't as great. So I had to come up with like songs, things like, you know, Mary had a little lamb or like, you know, chopsticks or whatever. And as long as they were interested, just like you're mentioning with adults in in workshops and in, you know, workplaces, as long as you keep them interested, they want to explore more. They want to learn more. They are um, more eager to explore different things. But once you start bringing in these theoretical things, this this um, ambiguous picture, then they're going to be like, okay, bye. <laughs> I don't deal with any of this. So it's, it's absolutely true. Now, um, one of the other things that I wanted to ask you was, um, <laughs> sorry, I'm going back to bounded context. <laughs> you- <laughs> I'm stuck on bounded context. <laughs> but it was one of the things that I was thinking when I was um, I was modeling this this uh, system uh, with one of my colleagues, and we we started talking with different uh, sort of uh, aspects of this one um, aggregate, basically what we're talking about. So the the application was a music scheduling application. Mm-hmm. So we were thinking, okay, so what are the important things so one we want to have basically an account for the user to be able to to use the system uh, or register and find a lesson okay so now then we have to have lesson uh 
that shows you know various times availability things like that and then at some point we want to be able to collect payments for them so then we decided okay these are different contexts that um, we we can talk about so in your workshops when people come up with different uh, contexts but the, the name of, oh, so the one of the things that we discovered was that we want to have a, a lesson aggregate within the account context and another lesson aggregate within, let's say, the teacher's context. So the two aggregates have the same exact name, but they are doing different things. You can connect them in between if you choose to at some point in the future. So let's say you have two people talking in, in your workshop and they're both talking about, uh, quote unquote, the same aggregate but they're in different contexts. In that situation, do you then do a different session of, let's say, uh, event storming for one context and a different one for another context? Or do you combine them no, and sort to, of put them in different I, bubbles, I, I, basically? I try to combine them because, uh, mm-hmm. so um, let's say, it, it, we have to understand that uh, the, the tendency for uh, our brain is to have a consistent jargon. While, while the languages are overlapping with different uh, yeah, contexts, uh, still in the same conversation, our brain wants to make sure that uh, these and these are two different things. So maybe giving two different names. Um, if the names are the same, because we are mixing people from different departments in the same room, and we cannot tell them from now on, you should never call this lesson, lesson, you should call it the training lesson, which is separate from the payment lesson in accounting. And it's not going to happen because this room is, is only temporary. They're going to get back to their job and they keep calling things the way they always used to. The same way. Yeah. Uh, so instead of using uh, this little flip on the language, which is temporary mm-hmm. and is a promise they cannot fulfill, instead yeah. use the space. So which which training are you talking? Well, the the upper left and uh, and and not the one which is here. If we can touch this training and this training are different uh, or lesson, this lesson is not the same lesson. Okay, maybe we we add a, a, an extra symbol. Maybe we draw the boundary. We we use uh, yes this uh, uh, tapes uh, to to show like this is crossing a line, but. Touching this, uh, this, or using different colors uh, as a reference for bounded context. Which lesson? The lesson in the blue space, not the lesson in the yellow space. So yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, it, it's uh, we we have the illusion of being able to change the language, mm-hmm. but we can't. Yeah, and it's difficult to change it because, like you said, everybody goes back to their desk and sort of go back to what they're used to, and that just makes sense because. Yep. They've been doing it for a period of time, so that they're just going to continue going with it, which is, which is uh, an interesting thing to solve, but also a, a good way, as you mentioned, to have it visually in front of you and say, okay, this belongs to this section, and this lesson belongs to this other section, so we don't, uh, we don't get them confused. But, um, uh, sorry, yeah, I was missing no, no, go for it. And uh, the other thing that we do is uh, a lot of people are thinking about, but we, I need to see everything about the lesson. Uh, that's the read model. And, and sometimes we just uh, find a way to visualize maybe a wireframe, maybe maybe uh, a, a set of green stickies. That's everything you need to see at a given moment. It all falls under the same umbrella of a lesson, summary, whatever, and you see everything in there. Because uh, usually the stakeholders, the stakeholders don't care about our aggregates. 
they care about the things that I need to see on the screen. So I make the thing you need to see on the screen visible so that you're happy. And then I play the magic with my aggregates behind the scenes. So as you start these workshops and the a lot of times the business uh, question or uh, this the problem that you were trying to solve in the first place evolves through time. And as the system grows, things change and you may come up with um, other uh, necessary things in your system that didn't exist the first time you went through. Do you do continuous workshops for companies or businesses? Yes, it might, might happen, but not, uh, not, not regularly. Um, so, well, it, it might be different reason like, uh, uh, well, how the budget goes, how the, the evolution goes. So with, with some companies, we are looking at the evolution. On ourselves, we're doing it continuously. Like uh, when the pandemic hit us, we were training company, organizing meetups, and then participating to events and physical workshops. Everything was wiped away. Every single process of our company needed to be redesigned. And also we have a similar problem with uh, with our training aggregate somewhere. We realized that going uh, by going remotely that, uh, okay, that's, there, there was a constraint that was not really visible in the physical world, uh, but now it, we, we need to be more flexible, like uh, having a, a distributed session which are part of the same training, while it was just like, that's a three-day training, and we were expecting these three days to happen in, in, in a In one day. Yeah. Uh, and then, uh, then okay, now you can, you can play around with this because uh, that was a... Yeah, a consequence of of traveling and uh, and now well, just like a lot more flexible. So we have to split the session from the from the top training and so on. Yeah, which is I think in some ways it could be a good thing because then it allows people, the participants, a little bit more time to uh, sort of have things and ideas sort of sit and marinate a little bit, and then the next day they they may come up with better solutions or different solutions for that matter. Yeah, but there's, I think there's also. There might be a limitation with budget, like, uh, well, you, you do budget, the budget goes, it's solving one big problem, and that's, uh, and then companies are happy. Uh, we, we solved our big problem. Uh, and I feel like, let's keep uh, accelerating what is the, the right. next problem in line. Oh, no, mm-hmm. we're great. <laughs> no, yeah. uh, for, for me, it's a, a, it's a continuous chain of, okay, now this, this is wiped away. What is the next one? I would like to work on, on this one. Um, but uh, at, at, at the same time, what I do is I, I teach away. I don't want to uh, be uh, the external bottleneck uh, for your organization. I, that's, that's not the role I'm looking for. I'm curious to see the evolution, especially if I see steps far away in the distance i would like to see the whole story till uh, till the final moment uh well sometimes we had the chance uh but uh yeah not not every single time yeah yeah so that's that's really really interesting and in so many levels things are changing and then we have to adapt to them which is uh sometimes challenging but sometimes fun yeah. so um I guess uh, the the last point I wanted to talk about, which you already highlighted a little bit, which was the uh, the fact that we're continuously changing and trying new things out, and um, how important it is to keep evolving and keep learning new ways and keep uh, coming back to um, maybe these initial ideas, but be able to change them and be flexible. So, um, is that only for 
the the process of event storming or do you um see that happening a lot of times if you for instance um i don't know if you keep contact with some of these uh these companies that we workshop i don't know like five six years ago and see if they're still going back and uh into the uh, say the virtual whiteboard or the the wall and putting their sticky notes on again and again to come up with new ideas have you have you kept in touch with any of them and seen that they're maybe doing this on a regular basis or maybe people just do it one time and just forget about it uh what the thing that we saw uh, is it, actually one of the things I'm, I'm, I'm missing most. Uh, it, mm-hmm. uh, it was the uh, virality at the very beginning. Yeah. Like at uh, the moment mm-hmm. we put uh, the uh, paper roll on the wall and we mm-hmm. visualized everything. When I, when I yeah. had the chance to visit some companies, oh, you're still having paper rolls on and you're using paper yeah. rolls for a lot of different stuff. So <laughs> right. it, it, it went sometimes even more viral than I wanted. Uh, mm-hmm. But at the same time, now I have no possibility of seeing it. Actually, the, the, thing, yeah. the, the thing that I'm missing, the other thing that I'm missing a lot is uh, yeah. you just can't ignore the event storming. You can just yeah. not log in into Miro and just uh, happily ignore everything that was discussed in this place. While the big paper roll, 10 meters of orange stick is right in your face, uh, it's something that was not ignorable and, uh, and and you have to yeah what people discuss about this organization is now visible somewhere and uh, that that that's one thing that i'm missing so it it the impact of the action is a little bit less uh, transparent um at the same time we we get back stories i just was reading something from uh, one of our customers that was uh, really really happy at the end of the project they said like uh, we were super happy and um and yes, recommending this to uh, other companies later on. Um, uh, but um, it also has to do uh, with, uh, with the type of company that, that we are. We are uh, uh, on one side, a training company. Uh, on the other side, we, we have a group of partner consultants. We do uh, gigs together. We do customize the uh, uh, training and learning experience. And sometimes we have the time to follow the, 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 um, the customer to the end. We are actually having one project where we are taking care also of the development, but uh, we don't have all the firepower to, to follow every single project that we start till the end. Well, companies have their own internal teams, uh, but, uh, but yes, let's say we are following one project and we're pretty happy about the outcome Step after step, looks like no, that was a smart move. That is turning out a smart move too, and uh, no, felt uh, it's feeling good. That's really cool that you follow up with that. That's really awesome. And I have to show you this. I I, I am a fan of paper roll as well. Uh, <laughs> I keep one next to me. It's it's they are so handy for um yeah my work and also if I need to entertain I, I my kids. Well. Escape paper. <laughs> so that that's yes, that's, that's all over. Note taking while I'm doing calls. So. Stand up, yeah. marker in my hand, and then mm-hmm. if, if, if needed. And I, I got to tell you, I so appreciate the process of writing things by hand. And I was talking to my colleague, Stephen, a while ago. We were um, talking about uh, the process of learning how to code. And we were specifically talking about Java. And I said, I learned Java by writing by hand. And I had um, these, I, I still do there somewhere here. Um, these markers that my kids have put all over the house now. Um, anyways, I had all of these uh, different color markers. And when I was uh, first learning, jo- there you go. Yes. 
<laughs> you have several colors too. Yeah. I had this big uh, piece of, uh, it was like a calendar planner thing that was always on my desk. And when I was going through courses and I was taking online courses, I was literally writing the code down by hand and I was using different colors to remind myself, okay, which one is the class, which one is like, yep. I don't know, stat static class, which one's void, whatever. And um, I would take pictures of these and, and put them on Twitter and I go, I would get so many uh, comments about, oh my gosh, I love that you're using different colors. And I was like, well, it's the same way that your IDE is working. My For me as a person, as a visual person, I have to see things and I have to write it by hand for me to remember that I learned so much better that way as opposed to typing it on the computer and then not having it in front of me to basically scream at me, hey, pay attention to me. So I completely appreciate it. I understand that the fact that it's so helpful and valuable to have things written down. Now, some people feel overwhelmed and may, you know, feel like, oh my gosh, there's too much going on around me. There's, it's so disorganized. I can't handle it. But for yeah. me personally, it's a, it's a thing I like to exper experiment with and have close by, like lots of paper and pens. <laughs> you, you said something, two, two things. I was actually reading an article this morning about uh, mm -hmm. uh, research in neuroscience uh, from, uh, from Tokyo. <laughs> And they were saying, like, no, paper is superior. The, the amount yeah. of engagement in the brain, if you're doodling, if you're taking notes, if you're coloring, uh, people taking notes on paper, people taking notes on iPad or uh, even using a digital pen, the brain is less engaged. You learn more if you use pen and paper or markers and paper. Or it, it, It's still better. And our brain hasn't changed in, 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 in this way. And... Uh, But the second thing has to do with, uh, with the colors and the spatial organization. So I'm, I'm getting back to the past. The first uh, enterprise project I was in, I, I, was, uh, I was asked to yeah, do the yeah, design of the domain layer and, uh, and yeah, everything that was involved in that. And so at that time, we were using uh, uh, TogetherJ, uh, one of the old style. I mean, it doesn't exist in that shape anymore. But it was beautiful at that time because it had a, a real round trip between the code and, uh, and the UML diagrams. But I was using all the colors. I was making a map of everything. When my boss was asking me, oh, we need to make a change to this functionality. Oh, yes, no problem. Is uh, that three green classes in the top right corner of the, of the diagram. What? Yeah. So, and I showed him the diagram and everything yeah. displays. And, and, and they had colors, and the colors had meaning. And, the, and the, whenever there was a change, like, yes, it's there. And I knew exactly where, where to go because I, I made this, uh, this view colored. At the same time, it was only for me. My colleagues were not looking at that picture. They say, like, oh, the code is messy. And I was, no, the code is not messy. Everything is exactly as it should be. So, and this, is, this conversation is the same if the person is right or wrong. Every single developer would use exactly the same word. So I have no idea if my code was messy or not. But clearly, I knew exactly where any single class was because I had my spatial arrangement for, for everything with colors. So that's, uh, that's, uh, it didn't look like a Monet or a Van Gogh, but I knew there was, uh, there was yellow burst in the, in the, the, the bottom uh, left. It was green on the top, there was blue somewhere, purple bits, and, uh, and I knew the meanings of this one. It was really easy for me to find my way in this, in this space. Without this special organization, it was very hard for somebody else. Like, I don't see the connection. Look at this picture. But 
but getting back to it and storming. So the thing about confidence in the organization comes if you actually build the structure. Uh, with even storming, we are building the structure together. So we are making, we're doing the put the things in the right space as a collaborative process. And so we see the overall layout of the, of the business story doing it together. So this ordering is actually meaningful for everybody. And uh, so that there was a plan after all. <laughs> so there was not chaos. Chaos became an organized plan, which is absolutely fantastic. Absolutely. And um, that's that's one of the things that um, <laughs> I always tease my mom with because she used to come into my room as when I was a teenager or even a kid and be like, ah, it's so disorganized. Everything's everywhere. And I'm like, no. I know exactly where everything is at. And every once in a while, she would go in my room and clean everything up. And then it would mess me up because then I didn't know where everything was. So it was like, there is a, a system to my madness. There is, like, I know where things are. Now, from the outsider, it may look like absolute chaos and just, yep. you know, a bomb fell off in there and everything's just everywhere. But yeah. when you go through it and you know it, it's, yeah. Yeah, but every categorization is uh, personal. And your categorization is not good for me. And the only way to build a, a structure which is good for both is to do the categorization together. So the, actually the teenage room analogy is, is, is perfect because the yeah. thing we do is just like we open all the drawers, we put everything on the floor, we make a big right. mess. Okay, now how do we sort this out together? Right. Okay, let's put the T-shirt there, let's put the, the, the trousers there. Oh, this is formal. Okay, let's agree on, on a structure first and then put it back in the drawers. That That's even storming on the floor with clothes. And it's, it's funny that you mentioned that. Um, a few years ago when um, I had, uh, actually maybe last time, maybe a couple of years ago, um, I had uh, a neighbor uh, who had a teenage daughter who would come in a few times a week to help me with the kids. And one of her tasks was to fold the clean clothes. And one of the things that I found so amusing and interesting was that uh, I hadn't told her how I wanted the clothes folded. Um, I just gave her a pile of clean clothes, said, here we go. And when she left later in the evening and I was going through the clothes to put them away, I realized that there was no rhyme or reason to it. There was like, the towel and then on top of that was a pair of pants and then there was a dress and there was like socks <laughs> it's just like it was a mess of a lasagna layer that i couldn't even find the next level and it's like okay so that's interesting and i was chuckling with my husband and i said how do you not know to put the clothes where they sort like organize them like all the pants go in one side or the socks go to and he said well you can't assume that somebody else has the same organizational mind as you do. So if you want them to do it the way that you do, you have to explain it to them and you have to go through the process with them so that you can find a common place to uh, figure out, okay, so this is how I want the clothes to be folded. It's I, And I find that a lot of times in organizations, like companies and things like that, the same way, because we all different individuals coming with different backgrounds and different ways of doing things. But as you mentioned, when you put them together and we go through the process together, is when we can find that commonality and that space where we can feel comfortable to explore and say, okay, this is the way that works for both of us. Maybe let's try it. Yeah. Yeah. All, all the struggle is real. Like um, it doesn't have to be softer. Think about the wiki structure. A lot of wikis are optimized for uh, dumping. I need to share this information and people feel like, yeah, put it on the wiki, guys. Going to happen. 
and, yeah. and they are not optimized for retrieval because it's very hard for the for the producer of the information to think uh, how will people look for this what is the problem in the future where this piece of content might be the solution and uh, and it's two perspectives and uh, sometimes they are conflicting sometimes the perspective of, of the reader is is not yet there or uh, yeah, the problem we're having in, in these days is uh, we, are, we are working on a piece of legacy software. And, uh, uh, yeah, somebody said, like, it's doc- documented. And, uh, yeah, I see the documentation. I can't do anything with this. Uh, and, but then you also realize that writing the documentation for a future reader if you are inside the problem is is is, is not working it just okay having tests would have been a lot better but uh, putting yourself uh, after being three months inside of a problem putting yourself in, in the outside head of a potential potential future reader uh, no doesn't work it it, it just uh, you cannot write good documentation for the future person because uh, you just you just need a newcomer for for doing this, not not the expert. Unlearning is is uh, really hard in this uh, this case. <laughs> exactly, and um, that's one of the interesting things I find myself sometimes in because I um, I'm very new in a, a lot of these concepts. So it's it's fun to explore from a perspective of somebody who is much more experienced and uh, uh, seasoned in the field, and then I come in with you know some crazy idea. I'm like, yeah, Okay, try it maybe this way. And um, it's always fun to go to, through the process and seeing things from from different perspective. I always really, really uh, like the challenge, which yes. is which is nice. <laughs> Fantastic. So, oh my gosh, this is such a fun conversation with you, Albert. <laughs> I really, really appreciate you being here. Lots of laughs, lots of great talks. Um, yeah, and anything that I forgot to talk about. I mean, I, we can talk for hours, I think. But yeah. Well, um... No, I, I, well, it's anything you can you can actually forget. No, it's uh, no, I don't know, I don't know what to add. I mean, I, I had a I had a good time, and uh, um, yes, no, that's um. So, but when, one of the things that um, I would like to remind everybody who's listening that you you are still uh, continuously doing workshops and you're continuously doing everything that uh, you did previously. Uh, pre-virtual times <laughs> at the moment as well. And uh, are, are, do you have any talks and conferences coming up? Uh, a little bit less uh, when it comes to conferences. I, I just realized that uh, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not enjoying conferences unless they, they, they get into some uh, open space uh, conversation. So I, I miss, uh, I miss the, the behind the scenes. I miss the, the, the well, not not necessarily the speakers' dinner, but uh, uh, the the other type of conversation, not the the backstage. Let's say that, and uh, and so well, there's uh, there's few one coming, but uh, well, before the pandemic, I was completely overwhelmed. There was already in the place like uh, like three invitation for the same day. Uh, how how do I do this? And then the pandemic killed uh, uh, everything in the, in the flow, and, and, and now well, something is is uh, is restarting. But uh, yeah, it's a little bit less interesting. It's just like uh, you can give a talk remotely, but then uh, you, you don't feel really really part of it unless there is a space for uh, uh, for a conversation. So we did our did 
he opened and that was uh, that was good uh, i joined the uh, ddd europe uh, conference uh, uh, that had an open space part that part with creativity or doing things that we haven't done already that's the part i like most um, yeah uh, yeah but uh yes i there's a few other talks which i'm negotiating but uh, i mm-hmm. I, I really don't feel I, I miss the stage. I miss. Uh, yeah. I miss the, the the people. I miss what happens after the talk. I miss uh, the okay. That did you like the talk? Now there's a few things that I could not say on stage, or maybe a few things you want to ask. That conversation is a conference. It's not the the, the being on stage. And uh, hopefully we can have that within the next year or two. Um, back to some sort of normal maybe yeah, that would be really nice not gonna be quick but uh, slowly yeah. we can uh, we, we can get back to this and th- i see exactly. a lot of uh, little creativity uh, we, i had a, a pretty good experience with uh, um it's called a, a chain conversation um and, and and that was not a conference just like a set of uh, people have a conversation 30 minutes then switching one um, there are different formats, different way to make uh, to make things happen. Uh, yeah, like. yeah, which is really nice. There are some there are some good platforms coming out which allow for more networking outside of the uh, quote unquote presentation, and which which allows people to talk a little bit more. But yeah, I, I understand that it's not exactly the same. But hopefully, we'll we'll get back to a swing of things with things being opened up a little bit more and uh, people being able to have more interaction. And I, I do have to say something I forgot to, there is a building in my neighborhood that have uh, um, floor to ceiling windows on all of their levels and uh, they're filled with sticky notes. So every time I go by it, it reminds me of you. <laughs> Love it. Okay. So they don't have papers there, but they just put it on the, on the window, which is really cool. I wish things were open and I could just pop into that building and say, Hey, can I look at your windows real quick? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's really interesting. Maybe well, thank you. Serial killer. You don't know. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. I hope not. <laughs> The building has three uh, three levels, and all of them, they're all three stories. They have these; um, they're yellow sticky notes mostly. So it's it's interesting to maybe see what's on the other side of it yeah. on the notes. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully, not a serial killer. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully, somebody doing something productive. Yeah. So, anyways, <laughs> thank you so so much for joining me today. It was such a pleasure to talk to you. I really appreciate your time. I know you're busy, and I really thank you for giving me the time to talk to you today. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you. Have a great day. Bye. Bye-bye. I hope you enjoyed my talk with Alberto. Please join me next time as I talk about data protection module in Axon Framework. Until then, have a great time and happy coding.